Are you living a wilderness experience in the shadow of the promised land? Are you living on crumbs in your father's house? Stay tuned. I want to help you possess what is rightfully yours for time and eternity. We invite you to join us for a half hour of inspiration, sharing, and teaching in a new program of Orthodox Christian Renewal. This comes as an outreach of the Logos Ministry for Orthodox Renewal, headquartered in Fort Wayne, Indiana. The founder of this ministry of faith is Father Eusebius Stefanu, Greek Orthodox priest, author, and evangelist, who's been called by God out of pastoral and professorial posts to proclaim the end-time message of salvation, healing, and deliverance in Jesus Christ. Father Stefanu comes to share a message of love and hope with both those who've never known Christ and those who are already members of the church but have never experienced the fullness of God's redeeming grace and healing power. At the close of the program, we will give you the address where you can write our evangelist. And now, our speaker and host, Father Eusebius Stefanu. I want to welcome you to another broadcast on Orthodox Christian Awakening. And I want to thank all of you who have written me and have shared in this outreach with your prayers and with your contributions. Now, before I go on today with the main message, I'm going to read a few of the letters that have come in from our viewers. I want to share a few with you to see what the, so you can gauge with me the response to this program. Here's a letter from a woman from Merrillville, Indiana. Dear Father Stefano, it was almost by accident that I saw your television program Sunday and was so overjoyed to see a Greek Orthodox priest sharing the love and words of Jesus on television. I pray that your program will start all of our Orthodox brothers and sisters to heed the fact that the time is nearing for our Lord's coming again. And here's another letter from uh, a man from Elgin, Illinois. Dear Father Stefano, Oh, praise the Lord, he let me see Logos Outreach over Channel 38 tonight at 7.30 p.m. for the first time. This was my first opportunity to hear a, a Lord Jesus Christ-centered Greek Orthodox speak. Your love and concern for others were so evident. God will bless you. I will pray for you and your needs daily. And here's a letter from a man in Chicago, Illinois. Dear Brother Eusebius, my wife and I appreciate your ministry very much. And I hope and pray that some of my Greek friends will begin to watch your program. Thank you, and the Lord's blessings be upon you. Well, this is just a sample of some of the letters that have been coming in. And I must say that they are indeed encouraging. I'm going to ask you to write me this week if you haven't written me. I want to hear from you. Your letters encourage me to press on. And I'm, I'm able to recognize that people are being ministered through this uh, broadcast. So don't fail me this week. Drop me a line. It'll be a joy to hear from you. Now, on the last broadcast, I spoke about the nature of the second birth that God requires of every man and woman in order to live in heaven with him eternally. I discussed how the Lord Jesus Christ transforms the personality and character of the individual who by faith receives the gift of the new birth. I stated that there is a distinctive newness about the reality 
of spiritual regeneration in the Holy Spirit. Now, it makes that person much different from what he or she was before. It might not always come as a crisis experience, but it has to be an inner experience. When you are born again in the Holy Spirit, you invariably have an inner perception of that rebirth. Jesus Christ made it very clear to us when he said, He who believes in me out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. In other words, there is an inner movement, a movement of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. You can't fail to perceive it. And I'll tell you something else, my friend. You are making a liar out of Christ when you say that I have the Holy Spirit because I was baptized, although I do not have any experience of the Holy Spirit to speak of. A lot of people in churches today talk like that. But I want to tell you something. You have to have an experience, an awareness of the rivers of living water that Christ talks about flowing from within the depths of your inner being. That's exciting. That inner awareness comes usually as a spiritual excitement and as zeal. It's being, like St. Paul puts it, a glow in the spirit. In the Greek text says, zeon topnevmati, zeon, which means boiling over with fervor and enthusiasm. Are you that kind of a Christian? I want to ask you today. In another place, Jesus said, He who thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And the water that I shall give him shall become within him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. I'm asking you today, friend, do you sense that artesian well on the inside of you, gushing forth water that springs up from the depths of your inner being? Are you excited about Jesus as your personal Savior? That's what it's all about. Do you have enthusiasm about Christ? It's possible that your religion is dull and boring. You might be religious, but you have no zest for God to speak of. Listen to me when I tell you, things start happening to you when you let Jesus Christ give you the gift of regeneration. You are, go you are going to know it, that Jesus lives on the inside of you if you have the Holy Spirit, you are going to know it experientially. You're not going to have it only theoretically or theologically or legally. And I want to quote from one of the church fathers, Simeon the New Theologian, again with regard to this matter. He's very strong on an experiential awareness of baptismal grace. Oh, and I love him because of that. We need that emphasis. He comes to meet a real need in the church today. And he says, and I quote, As a woman knows definitely that she is pregnant because the babe leaps in her womb, and she can never remain unaware that the babe is inside of her, so in like manner the person who has Christ formed inside of him knows his movements that is his radiance and his leaping 
He is not unaware of the fact that Christ is formed on the inside of him. And he does see Christ as the light of the Lamb. Isn't that beautiful? Think about it. God makes his presence real on the inside of you. And he makes his presence tangible. You know it when you have the Holy Spirit. You might be one of those church-going people who think of God as living out in space somewhere, remote from your life and from your everyday needs. That's why you are living on spiritual crumbs. You go to church hungry and you leave hungry. I want to tell you something, friend. Jesus wants to live on the inside of you and to fill you with the abundance of life. When you invite him to come into your heart and into your life, then he will do exciting things for you. He will change your life and live his life inside of you and give you power. Isn't that thrilling? That's how much Jesus loves you and cares for you. When Jesus talks about the rivers of living water, he is not simply referring to some kind of a spiritual high. Oh no. Jesus is not merely speaking about a nice, good feeling. He's not talking about a euphoria, about being on some kind of a trip where you escape reality and the challenges of life. Oh no. Of course, you might be on cloud nine when you receive the initial experience for a while. You have a mountain top experience. But the new life of rebirth is a life you live with your feet planted solidly on the ground. It doesn't mean it's the end to all your problems once you have the born-again experience. Oh, no. As a matter of fact, it could be the beginning of new problems and more battles. But the point is this, that you have on the inside of you the secret to victory, to overcoming all your problems. And that source of victory is the Holy Spirit. That's why it's called the endowment of power in the Bible. You won't always be on the mountaintop, no. You will go through dark valleys and pass through a lot of testing and trials and afflictions for the sake of Jesus Christ. You will suffer reproaches for the Lord. You will pay the cost of following him. Satan will come against you. He may try to afflict your body with sickness, but you will have the healing power of the Holy Spirit to keep divine health and to secure divine healing in an hour of need. In all your battles with the devil, you know you are on the winning side. Because the battle is not yours, like the Bible says. The battle is the Lord's. And he won that battle 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross. So the born-again experience is a threshold experience. And thereafter, you begin to grow. There's the growth process that follows. Now, I want to go back again to stress the fact 
That spiritual regeneration that the Lord sets down as a condition for salvation is a new beginning. It's becoming a new person. Being born again could mean you have come out of a life of sin, perhaps, and moral depravity. There are countless testimonies of such cases today. On the other hand, you might always have been a pretty good person, a Christian, a decent person. And you might ask the question, well, what about me? What kind of a change could I possibly experience? Well, that's true. Perhaps you live a moral life. You go to church regularly and receive the communion faithfully. You might even be religious. But the point is this. You do not have the experience and deep awareness of Christ and of the power of his resurrection, as the Apostle Paul puts it. There are no rivers of living water flowing from the depths of your being. You have not done anything evil in your life, true, but you are spiritually dead and you are useless to God and to yourself. There is no spark. There's no enthusiasm in your Christian life. You've never had a life-changing, face-to-face meeting with God. You don't live the full gospel, my friend. You are a good person, yes, very well, but you really do not walk in the Holy Spirit. It isn't enough to be good. In other words, you do not live in the supernatural dimension that rebirth in the Holy Spirit places you in. You are good, but you will live in the natural. You are what the Apostle Paul calls the anthropos psychikos. Psychikos, that's the Greek expression. In other words, you are a soulish man. You are a natural man, unregenerate. Your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is purely on an intellectual level. You still do not have that heart experience of Jesus Christ. Our churches are full of such kind of baptized Christians today. But something happens then. All of a sudden, you begin to hear some of them talk in church about their new relationship with Jesus Christ. Have you heard such testimonies? God is beginning to touch many men and women today with his Holy Spirit. You are startled to see that some fellow church member who was your friend or acquaintance for a long time is all of a sudden fired up with Jesus and the Bible. It's happening in the church today. It's, it's all over now. Something drastic occurs in their lives. It's tremendous. Some people in the church quip, my goodness, what's happened to Pete and Bessie? Did you see them Sunday at church and at the coffee hour, how they were carrying on? My goodness, what's got into them? Why, they've become religious nuts, fanatics. You cannot hide the evidence. When you've had an experience of regeneration, people around you will ultimately find out. You just can't hide the presence of the Holy Spirit, even if you try to. 
Some people who are unsettled by this new kind of witnessing usually will say, well, why do they have to go around talking about God all the time? Isn't that spiritual pride? You have to be humble. But is it really pride to let the baptism of the Holy Spirit be manifested in one's life? Can you possibly keep a volcano from erupting? That's the way it is. Can you possibly seal and stop up an artesian well and hold back the water from gushing from out of the ground? Can you hold back the Niagara Falls? That's what it's like. Can you keep the joy and excitement of knowing the power of Christ's resurrection to yourself? Now in the Psalms we read, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed out of the hand of the enemy. Let him say so. Don't keep it to yourself. And there's another psalm that says, Give glory to God and make known his deeds among the people. Share the good news with everybody that God has touched your life. Remember, that parable that Christ taught about the woman, remember about the woman who had 10 pieces of silver? She lost one piece and she lit her candle and swept the house, searching diligently for the one piece of silver that was lost. And I want to read from the Gospel of Luke where the parable is recorded in chapter 15. When she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner, over one sinner that repenteth. So if you are a true Christian friend, then you must always reflect the mood of heaven and the mood of the angels of heaven. If they rejoice with God, you've got to rejoice. If they grieve, then you should, you should grieve. So if you were baptized and at one time you received the baptismal grace, perhaps in your infancy, it's very possible that you lost the fullness of that baptismal purity and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You lost the fullness of the spiritual treasure. You let the fire of the Holy Spirit burn very low in your heart and life. When God rekindles that gift that remained dormant, then things start happening. When you have rediscovered your spiritual inheritance, then you, have, you come into a new relationship with Jesus Christ. A relationship and an experience that revolutionizes your life. You just can't keep it to yourself. You're going to begin to share it with your friends and acquaintances. You need to be in perfect obedience to the sayings of the Lord Jesus Christ and to be in harmony with his will, and that's his will, to share the good news with other people. You have no business feeling annoyed when one of your friends happens to have had a new life-changing experience with Christ. The Lord expects you to rejoice with him and his angels over that wonderful event. And when your friend tells you, I want to share with you the joy of my new experience with Christ, you should say, Yes, by all means, I want to hear all about it. In fact, I want to find out 
how I also can experience that new joy and spiritual exuberance that you have now discovered. Remember something else, friend. Do you know that God very often tries to reach us and to tell us something through another person? He uses another person as his instrument many times. You've got to be willing to recognize when God is speaking to you. He speaks to you through the circumstances around you and by means of the people he brings you into touch with. You could be rejecting and scorning a messenger of God. I would hate to be in your shoes if you did. Now let me move on to another point. I don't want to leave the impression that rebirth in the Holy Spirit is simply an emotional experience. First of all, the emotions of joy, peace, and enthusiasm, to be sure, are manifested. You can't hide them. Jesus Christ takes over our emotional life, and he wants to exercise lordship in the emotional area of your life. He saves and he sanctifies the whole man, the emotional as well as the intellectual part of man's life. There is nothing wrong about expressing emotion, provided the emotions that are expressed are the fruits of the Holy Spirit, like joy and peace and love. Now, we can liken the second birth to the first birth in more ways than one. When a baby is born, for example, it's na it naturally causes a lot of excitement in the environment, and it's always a time for celebration. Birth involves a new life bursting forth. That's the way it is with a spiritual birth. You cannot be quiet about it. There is excitement and elation in regeneration as there is in generation. That's why many Christians celebrate their birthday on the day they were born again. That birth is far more important and superior to the first birth in the flesh. Obviously, you cannot be quiet about it. You can no more be casual and nonchalant about your spiritual birth than about a child that just came out of its mother's womb. People around normally take notice of a rebirth as well as of a natural birth. The only difference is that in the case of the spiritual birth, heaven joins with earth in the celebration. What does a newborn child do? The first sign that it is a new life is the fact of its crying. That's right, the baby cries. The physician slaps the baby on its back as soon as it is delivered so that it comes forth with that initial cry, the sign that it came out of its mother's womb alive. That's a sign of life, the very crying of the baby. Very often this is also the evidence of the new birth in the Holy Spirit. Rarely does a person experience being born in the Holy Spirit without some weeping. In some instances, there is a liberal flow of tears and even sobbing. I remember when in 1972 I received the Holy Spirit baptism. I wept and I sobbed like a little child for almost a half an hour. Isn't it also true that once a child is born, its immediate satisfaction is to be at its mother's breast where it finds nourishment and contentment? Once you are born again, you are passionately consumed with Jesus. You have a new hunger for his word. You just can't get enough of Jesus. You delight in his word. You always want to feed on Jesus because he nourishes you with his love, with that spiritual milk for growth and increase in the spirit. 
You know, speaking about weeping, do you realize that weeping in the spirit is a blessing? As a matter of fact, the niptic fathers of the church call it the grace of tears. It is a gift of the Holy Spirit. St. Simeon, the new theologian, states in one of his writings that every believer should seek after weeping in the spirit. And I want to quote a few lines from one of his works. Man should not pass through even one single day without repentance and without tears. Tears work within us the divine fire of contrition. Let no one say it is impossible to weep every day. If you have no tears, you should ask God to give you tears. Ask him with all your strength and with all your soul. There is no other way by which you can remain sinless and pure in heart. Now, just think about what I quoted from St. Simeon. Isn't that wonderful and exciting? Some of you out there weep when you pray and you don't know why. I have people come up to me and almost complain that they shed tears when they pray. My goodness, be happy that you weep in the Spirit. It's a gift of the Spirit. It comes when your own spirit is broken and your heart humbled. God honors the brokenness of our spirit. A contrite and broken spirit is the sacrifice that is well-pleasing in the sight of God. So, friend, don't expect to receive the Holy Spirit until tears of contrition flow down your cheeks. It's the best antidote against pride and self-will. You won't get anything from God when you go to him with a full feeling, the feeling that you got it all. There are people right in church that fight me in this regard. I'll tell you something. They say, Father, what's this thing about the Holy Spirit? Oh, we already have it in baptism and in the communion. But I'm going to let Simeon answer them on this point. And I want to quote another passage from uh, St. Simeon. He says, Do not become opponents of God, Thelmachi, but come bow and fall down together with me. And do not get up until you receive the gift of God as I who am unworthy received it by his grace so you see he says it is a gift we don't receive it because we merit it or we deserve it God gives it to those who are hungry for it so just claim it by faith and uh, Saint Simeon goes on and he says in another passage that that we have to listen to what he says. It is the spirit that speaks, he says. Not I, he says someplace. And so anyone that disobeys the person that speaks in the spirit disobeys God. So, my beloved, I want to pray for you before the end of the program. We're running out of time. And before I leave you until next time, I want to pray for each and every one of you and help you come into the deeper experience of the Holy Spirit into that new relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the orthodoxy of the spirit that quickens. You don't want to live with the orthodoxy of the dead letter that will kill you and send you to hell for sure. So bow your head with closed eyes. Jesus, I pray that you will fill with the Holy Spirit that man and that woman out there who now comes to you confessing thirst and confessing hunger for those rivers of living water. Release that spring of water within them that they may flood their whole being and become inflamed, that they may become inflamed with a burning love for you. You promise us, Lord, and we now claim that promise. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Until next time, may God's richest blessings be with you. 
I want you to write me this week and to share with me the blessings that you have received over this broadcast and share with me the joy that you have received. I want to rejoice with you. Write me this week. Don't let me down. God bless you. We thank you for having joined Father Stefanu in this new broadcast of Inspiration and Faith. We hope you will tune in again next week for another half hour of Orthodox Christian Renewal. This program is made possible by the free will offerings of the viewers. Your prayerful and financial support is vital to the continuance of this telecast.